The following audio is from Cross Life Church in Tampa, Florida. We are a church that exists to help people find Christ, their place in the body, and their mission to the world. Our calling is to raise leaders and plant churches. So if you live in the Hudson area or near Wester Chapel, you can also check us out at one of our other locations. For more information, visit us at crosslife.net. Well, good morning, everyone. Hope you had a nice weekend. Uh, let's go into prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, we just want to thank you for this wonderful day. This day belongs to you. Thank you, God, that you are our God. Thank you for being loving. Thank you for your grace. Thank you for your mercy. Thank you for your compassion, Lord. Thank you for the hearts of our people here that just continue to bring, continue to provide through you, God. We love you for it. Lord, thank you for Jesus Christ that went to the cross for us. And in his name we pray. Amen. All right, well, so this, uh, well, thank, thank you so much, Pastor. I, I, you know, I came to this church. I was sitting here, actually, and, and uh, I said, why, why am I going there? I'm, I'm already at church. He said, well, that's where you have to go. I said, well, that's where God, God wants you. And I had three godly people tell me you have to go there. I said, okay, I'm going there. So here I am. And at the beginning, you know, I don't know anyone here. He's right. I'm going through some situations where I myself have an attitude. And the message today actually has to do with an attitude. So as I'm speaking to you today, you have to remember, I have had an attitude. I sometimes may have an attitude tomorrow again. And it is a constant battle every day. You know, as, as I look back when I was born again, about three weeks later, I'm sitting at this church just looking around. There's a lot of people in this church that I'm going to, beautiful church. And, and looking around, I'm thinking, wow. Look at all these saints. These are saintly people. Like I was thinking, these people never seen. They never do anything. They just are so good. And I'm like, and actually, I, I was feeling good about it. Think, wow, that feels good that I'm in such a good place. And, and of course, you know, uh, uh, you know, the journey takes, takes off. And, and, and you get engaged, you know, with the Word of God. And you go to a, a Sunday Bible class. And you join a small group. And, 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 and you continue to go in that path. And, as, and the more you go, you finally realize, oh, hold on a minute here. There's something happening. I thought everybody here in the church was saintly. What's going on? Because I am reading the Bible. But here, I'm not seeing some actions. There's something, of course, I am new, right? I don't know much about God. But this I know. I'm thinking, well, I'm reading the Bible. This is what it's saying. But I don't see. I'm not saying there were not people doing. There's a lot of people doing. I'm talking about the ones that weren't doing. And, of course, it, it was not for me to judge. God told me, okay, hey, hey, hey. your relationship is between you and I. It's, between, it's not between you, I and them. So I got that real quick. But that has always taken place in my heart. I have a beef with following God. I have a beef why Christians do not follow God the right way. I have a beef with myself because I myself do not follow God the right, the, the, the right way. And I've been there. I've been in the wilderness many times. Many, many times. And it's probably because of, of an attitude that we tend to get into. The attitude of, well, it is all about me. It is all about me. And we forget that it is not about me. It is about God. So uh, we're going to continue here. We've been uh, on the book of James. We've been, uh, which is really a book about doing. It's a book about doing. And we have to remember that how important that is. I have, I have a motto on my, on my email. that says, wisdom is equal knowledge, is equal understanding, is equal application. As, I, as I'm, I'm teaching at a, at, a, at a Christian school, 
I, I, I tell them that. And I said, you know, which one is the most important? And at the beginning, it was, well, wisdom, knowledge, understanding. You was say, well, the most important is application. Who's doing what? That's the title of this message. Who is doing what? How important is that to God? What is it that Jesus Christ did at the cross? What is it that he did? Because we have to constantly be reminded about it. So, why is it that it is so hard to follow Christ? Why is it that it's so hard to follow Jesus? Following God is not easy. Following God is not easy. Why? Well, it requires that we abstain from sin, right? That's a hard one, right? Because the Bible says that we're all sinners. But then again, it requires that we abstain from sin. It requires that we stay obedient. That we're obedient to the Word of God. It requires that we are connected to the Word of God, that we actually read the Bible. It requires also that we completely surrender to God, which is a key word, surrendering. That is the one where I have to constantly tell myself, are you surrendering? Are you surrendering? What is your problem? Are you humble? It requires that we're humble. That's very important. So these are the things that we have to remember that it is not easy following God, but why is it not easy? I mean, the Bible doesn't say it's easy, right? The Bible says we want to be persecuted because we're following Jesus. Well, it doesn't mean we want to go into a cocoon and hide there. We have to continue to do the work of God. So why is it that the church body is struggling in following the step of Jesus Christ? Why is that? And I'm not saying here that some of you, that no one is doing anything. I'm not saying that. Remember, James, in the book of James here, he's, he, you, you may have new beginners in Christ. You may have you want adults, you have, adults, you have some that are mature. But in reality, what he's telling us, he's, this is a reminder to all of us that we have to keep connecting, connecting with the Word of God. And, and let, me, let me go to that. It's, let's go to the book of James right now. It's James chapter 4, verse 13 to 17. James chapter 4, verses 13 through 17. This is what it says. Come on now. You who say, today or tomorrow we will go to such and such a city and spend a year there and engage in business and make a profit. Yet, you do not know what your life will be like tomorrow. You're just a vapor that happens for a little while and then vanishes away. Instead, you ought to say, if the Lord wills, we will leave and also do this or that. But as it is, you boast in your arrogance. All such boasting is evil. Therefore, to one who knows the right thing to do and does not do it to him is sin. Remember here, let's put things in, into the context that in the context of, of the book of James, he's actually speaking to Jewish believers. I mean, there could be some people trickling in, right? Because when he starts this verse, he says, Come on. He doesn't say, brethren. Hey, brother. He says, come on. He's like saying, hey, you. Hey. Hey, hey, over here. Pay attention. I'm right here. Pay attention because you say that you're a Christian. So the, the Christian walk is really, everything about the Christian walk is about doing. Without doing, it's hard to follow the Christian walk. Therefore, who is doing what? When I went to college, I used to 
because of what I've seen at the church, by the way, I think that the church in some respect is failing in that. In there now, I will get into that later. Who's doing what? This is important. This is why this is in my heart. Okay, this is very important. And when I go to college, I keep telling everybody, well, I'll go to a class for four, four, four hours, and I'll be saying, and we'll talk about Jesus. And, I, and I, at the end, I'll say, but, but who is doing what? But who's doing what? And, and, and I don't know who was doing it. Who was doing it. I might not be doing anything either. You know what I'm saying? But for some reason, it's stuck in my heart about who is doing what. You have to remember that as I'm going through college, I'm also learning. As I'm learning now, there's, 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 there's no difference. Uh, it, it became such a thing, me saying that, that they, they used to call me the who is doing what kid. Say, like, hey, who, who's doing what kid? Hey, you go over here. They even had all these things done for me that it was about who is doing what. And when I would say that, everybody would lower their heads. And I would just wonder why. And thinking, well, I don't know what they're doing, but I hope that they're getting the message. So the first thing, what stops the Christian from continuing in their walk? And the first thing that I have to tell that I'm going to share with you is seeing. It's seeing. Oh, yeah, I know all about seeing. We're all seniors. You know what? But, you know, we, we know about seeing. But the thing is, we have to continue to remind us that seeing does separate us from the Word of God. It does separate us from God at that moment. We see what happens. We feel, for those that are Christian, we feel convicted. And I'm not talking just about a sin here, a sin there, whatever it is. I'm talking about a way of life, a sinful way of life, something that you're constantly doing without stopping. That automatically is going to stop you from following God. It's God's going to say, okay, hold on a minute here. You want to move in this direction, but I'm not going to let you move in that direction until you get yourself right. You have to get yourself right first. You cannot move without it. On verse 13, James alludes to this. Again, he says, come on now. You say today or tomorrow we will go to such and such a city and spend a year there and engage in business and make a profit. And you probably wonder, what does that got to do with we see well, everything. In this case, what he's talking about is about, about a rich, greedy merchant. He's greedy, self-centered, that wants to go away for a year, but he's not saying he's going to go away for a year and do business and put God first. He's saying I'm going to go out there for a year and just make money. Now, what is the problem with money, of course, is that money can lead to other things. When we go to Timothy... First Timothy 6, 9, 10, it says, But those who want to get rich fall into temptation and snare and many foolish and harmful desires which plunge men into ruin and destruction. For the love of money is a root of all sorts of evil. And some by longing for it have wandered away from the faith and pierced himself with many griefs. Genesis is pointing out to biblical truth and the dangers of placing money above God. If we engage into where money is before God, that's going to lead to many, to a sinful nature. I guarantee it because I've been there. I was a businessman at one time, and I, I sometime in my life, and I was successful. And, and I know that I was in business. And I guarantee you that if you don't have God with you, it's difficult. Temptation comes in. And, and that's why seeing is so important that we understand in this context what James is trying to say. Okay, you're going to go to a different time. You're going to go for a year, but you're not even saying anything about God. You just want to make a profit. The second thing, the second point, 
Here, second principle, second truth. Why are we not following God? It's because we're, we're not willing to surrender sacrificially and unconditionally. Think about that. We're not willing to surrender sacrificially and unconditionally. The pastor alluded to that this week that we have to surrender. We have to, and, and, and what does that mean here? You know, what, what does surrender mean to us? Is it just asking for forgiveness all the time on the same thing, scene? Or, you know, because that happens, right? If, that, and that's okay, I guess. But it's, it's what it really is, is we're not allowing God to live within us. We're not. It means that we have to empty, that's the key word here, empty ourselves to Him. We have to give it all to Him. We cannot leave anything behind. Nothing. We have to empty ourselves to His will. Philippians 1.21 says, For to me, you know this verse, to live is Christ, and to die is gain. In other words, when we die into God, God is in control. God is in control. As Christians, we have to remember this. That once we really give our lives to the Lord, He is in control. Some people may say, well, what happened? What's the difference between being a Christian and a Christian? Well, uh, well, when you're not a Christian, as an example, your control is, you're not controlled by God, that's for sure. You're controlled by the evil one. Once we become Christians, it changes. Now the Bible says that we're sealed with the Holy Spirit of God, that now we belong to Him. And that's important to know. And, that, and, and that's how faithful God is, that He guarantees that, that for us. And, and all we have to do is look at Calvary, what Jesus did at the cross. Didn't He empty Himself for us? Didn't He do that? Have you ever thought about that? Have you ever thought about that walk that He had to take all the way to Calvary? Have you ever thought about that? How he got whipped? Have you ever thought about that? How he emptied himself because he took on our sin? How do you ever thought about that? That is so important. Now here we, we take James. This, go, coming back to, to, to these verses James, on verse 14. Yet you do not know what your life will be like tomorrow. He's, James is alluding here to, to immense selfishness for his life. He's just selfish about his life. He's not willing to surrender his life. If you're not willing to surrender your life, how can you follow God? That is an impossibility. I've been there. If I'm not willing to surrender to the Lord at any given point, I cannot follow God. Seeing and not surrender keeps you frozen. Doesn't allow you. Even if you go into church every single day, it doesn't let you. It just doesn't let you. It's like seeing for a moment. It's not that now... The evil one is in control. It's not that. It's that you have to seek, you have to empty yourself to the Lord. You have to be honest yourself. You have to look at yourself in the mirror. Then he goes and say, you are just a vapor that appears for a little while and then vanishes away. Jim's perspective here is that every Christian should not wait to surrender their lives. Because we depend on God. Our whole entire dependence is on God. That's what it is. So we're just like, like a vapor. We're going to just die at one point, not be there, and we're not doing anything with our lives 
Because we're not depending on God, we're depending on ourselves, on what we think is best for us. Third point is not following God's commandments. Well, here I, I love this one. Not following God's commandments. I, I got put in that thought and said, well, what do you mean by commandments? Well, we know, yeah, well, you know, John 14 says, if you love me, you will keep my commandments. Do we ever, can we ever grasp that, grasp it? If you really love me, you'll follow my commandments. That means, you know that the mark of a Christian is love and obedience? The mark of a Christian is love and obedience. Okay? Now, but obedience to what? Obedience to what? Obedience to what we believe is our great commandment. How about the Great Commission? How about the Great Commission of Matthew 28, 18, 20? How about that? Because that's been in my heart all the time. That's one thing I learned pretty quickly. That's where I probably look around and say, well, hold on a minute. Who's doing what? Who's doing what? Right? Who's doing what? Who's following that? What is interesting is that and, and it's, it's in a Christendom, you know, the church body is taking that for granted. It really is. Do we depend on our own commandments? By the way, in Matthew 20, 18, 20, God is not saying that those that should go are those that are pastor, those that are in ministry, you know, or student ministry, whatever it is. He's saying all of us should go. No, it doesn't mean you have to start preaching the next day and knocking on doors. Even if you did that, that'd be good. Wouldn't it be good? That'd be really good. But what, what does that mean? It means that you can, God can speak can speak to you in a way that will you convey that message to others. You know, sometimes you're saying to somebody, just a smiley. Just a smiley. I love you. God bless you. If you don't think that you're not witnessing to them at that point, you have to rethink. Because you are. Because that person at that point might be a person going through a lot of turmoil in their life. And just that one little text. And nowadays we have many ways to to reach out people, right? There's many ways, not just not, 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 not one. Think about it. Paul walked between eight to 10,000 miles to take the gospel. We don't even have to walk nowadays. We have a computer. We have a phone. It's not that hard. But what are we not doing? I think, think about this. Barna did a poll and asked a question. Have you heard of the Great Commission? Have you heard of, of the Great Commission? And this is, these were the answers. 17% only said yes, and we know about it. That means that they understood what that meant. 6% were not sure. 25% said yes, but they don't recall what it means. And 51% said no. If we really look at this, you know, it's like 83% of the people saying, well... We're not paying attention. We just don't know. You know, I'm not so sure that that falls. In some ways, it does fall. It does falls. You know, it is the church's responsibility to drive that. It is. Number one, that's the church. It's to equip the saints, right? But another thing is that it is our obligation to read the Word of God and to understand what the Word of God is saying to us. So think about those numbers. And, and then we go to, to verse 15 where it says, and, and he again alludes to this. James is saying that following God is saying, uh, I'm sorry, instead you ought to say, 
if the Lord wills, we will live and also do this or that. What is do this or that? I mean, let, me, let me repeat this. Instead, because this verse is a little, you know, gray here a little bit. Instead, you ought to say, if the Lord wills, we will live and so and also do this or that. What James is saying here is that following God requires dependence in Him and His commandments. We do when we're following His commandments. That's why He says here at the end, and also do this or that. God should be first in our lives. He should be first. So that was the third point. The fourth point I want to talk to you about, about today is something that is the instigator of all sins. It's pride. Pride. You know, the Bible says in Timothy, uh, 1 Timothy 2, 2, 2, 5, that Jesus is the mediator between man and God. Well, the Bible also says not like this in this way. That pride is a mediator between man and Satan. Think about it. Pride is a mediator between man and Satan. And, and James alludes to this in here. Pride. What is pride? Pride is when you put God, when you put yourself above God. We enter into idolatry when we're prideful. You, do you understand that? I mean, I tell myself, I come to conviction when I see everything because I know I'm being idolatrous. That's just the truth. I mean, idolatry. Think about that. We don't want to be in that, in that area, right? We're telling God, hey, 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 hold on a minute here. I am better than you. I'm going to do this anyway. Because it benefits me. Because I like it. That's not what God's saying. And James again comes here and says, but on verse 16, but as it is, you boast in your arrogance. All such boasting is evil. What is it really saying here? You boast in your arrogance. So talking about ourselves, I just said about a self-centered attitude that must be replaced by humbleness. You know, the humbleness of Jesus. Yeah, I, I love that scene. If I had a time machine, I, I would like to go back. I know the time machines don't exist, but if there was one that existed somewhere, I would want to go back at that scene where Jesus is washing the disciples' feet. He's washing the disciples' feet. Think, think about that. Think if that was you right there, right there. And, and Jesus says, hey, take out your shoes. I'm going to wash your feet. How humble is that? The Savior of the world saying, I'm going to wash your feet. Point number five, which I try to drive to my students in school as much as I can. Actually, probably the most. Because you, you can tell when I ask how many of you read the Bible, well, none of them really raise your arms. Although half of them said that they're Christian, the other half are not. And, but for those that are Christian, well, how many of you read it twice a week? Three times a week, and then you have some more. Yeah, twice a week I read it. I, I think one student out of the seniors and juniors said, I read it every, every day. But that, that is sad. That is sad. How, how is it that we, we can have a relationship, a genuine relationship with God, if we're not connecting with the moral principles of God? 
if we're not connecting with those moral principles because it's about morality, it comes down to that. For, for, for us to be able to follow God, we have to be good there. Remember this, and, and I, uh, I think Doug said this today at some point. I don't know if he said it before we were talking or, or later. But I, I had written this down. I said, wow, he and I are on the same page. Without knowing and applying the Word of God, we are nothing. Zero. We cannot claim to be followers of Jesus Christ if we're not applying the Word of God. We're nothing. Want to know more about it? And I'm going to get into it. I would read John 15. About the fruit. But what he says about that. But uh, what about those who claim they know the word that, but the word of God, but they're not following? Because that usually what I see it. Quite a bit of, I, I, it saddens me too. It's not easy for me to say this, but let me tell you something. James here is bold. James here is very bold. He's not holding any punches back. He's talking truth. The same way Jesus, when he went, when he, in his ministry, he was, he was bold quite a bit. He was bold. He, he, they're not bold. They weren't bold because they're mean. They were because they... They love their congregation. If, if I'm bold here because I love you, if I'm, I, I, and I have, to, I have to tell you that I have to be bold to myself. I'm hard on myself. Harder than you ever can think. That doesn't mean I don't live in joy. I still live in joy. By the way, going to that same part, that's key. Whenever we continue in a sinning lifestyle, joy is taken away. There's nothing greater than feeling the joy of God. Experiencing the joy of God on a daily basis. Continual. Without ever stopping. And I know it's hard. I'm not saying it's easy. But we have to connect. So what do we do now? We have five points, right? So what do we do with this? How do we get back in the rhythm of following God? Because God has many doors to get us back in the rhythm. It just depends on what we want to do with it, right? But the first one, I would say, is refocus. You have to refocus. What does that mean? Pray. Seek the Lord's wisdom. Go to the Word of God. How about changing our attitude? How long were the Israelites in the wilderness? 40 years? On a 13-day trip, they spent... 40 years in the wilderness. On a 13-day trip, that's about how long it takes if you start walking from Egypt to the Promised Land. About 13 days, something like that. Give or take, right? It takes 40 years because they had a bad attitude. A lot of times because we can't refocus and, and you know, we continue with that bad attitude. We just we can't get that out of it. Remember the Christians are countercultural. Oh, countercultural. What do you mean? That sounds like, it sounds like, almost like a tough word, counterculture. What do you mean? Well, you're not really going with the culture of the world, right? Are we? We're supposed to go by what the world thinks, how much they love money, how they love the eye, I love myself. We're countercultural. Christians are. So we focus on being countercultural. That's the first thing we need to do. Instead of focusing in worldliness, we have to refocus on being countercultural. Start following the things of the world. And I know there's a lot of distractions out there. I, I get it. That's why it's, it's, a, it's a tough walk. 
right? But that's the same reason why we need to refocus, because there are distractions out there. By the way, this leads to, when we focus immediately, we're, we're doing something that we should do that the Bible is clear about, and that is we're growing spiritually, we're maturing spiritually. Think about that. That is important. That is taken for granted in our life. We have to grow and mature spiritually. We have to. We cannot stay in the same place. It's now we become stagnant, and stagnant can lead you to many things. Being stagnant can lead to us not really following God. How, how, how important is this? These are the problems James was dealing with. We find that all over the book of James, in, in patience and difficulties, that's in chapter 1, talking but not leaving the truth, hmm. that's in chapter 2, no control of the tongue, chapter 3, fighting and coveting, that's in chapter 4, collecting materials, trying to get rich, you know, the toys, that is chapter 5. Second point, we have refocus. Now we have to reconnect. Refocus, refocusing. You are in a mountain. There's a lot of fog in this mountain, right? A lot of fog. You can't see a thing. Well, you're going to have to find a pasture somewhere where you can see so you can go back and find that trail that you need to get to and continue going up to the top of the mountain. That is refocusing. Focus, looking for that path. Connecting is when you follow the path. Now you need to reconnect. So reconnecting is the second point. But for that, we have to be intentional. How about the intentionality of the heart? How about the heart? Where's our hearts? We're going to get this of this stagnation and we're Christian, but we're not really following. We know it. Re refocus, reconnect. In, in, in other words, we must examine our lives before reconnecting. We must stop and examine our lives. That's just a must. We don't go on and say, okay, let me just reconnect. Let me come this way. I'm reconnecting. Yes, Lord, I'm reconnecting. Oh, yeah, I'm there. We're not doing that. We have to look at ourselves in the mirror. That's, that's what they're saying. Where am I at with, with you, Lord? Where am I at today? Where am I at today? Third point, and the last point here, revive. Revive, oh, do I, talk, do I hear this all the time? I used to almost say, well, I am going to this pastor's meeting, and, and, and they, they invite me, and I go there. And I'm not yet a pastor, but I'm going to those meetings, and a couple of days, I said, oh, revival, we need revival in this country. We need revival. And I go, oh, great, great. And a month later, we need revival in this country. Six months later, we need revival in this country. And a, month, a, year, a year later, we need revival in this country. And I kept thinking, about well, what happened? How long does it take to revive yourself? I mean, how long? Bible doesn't take, takes long to revive, right? It's instantly. You want revival? You really want revival? Be humble. Humble yourself to the Lord first. And accept whatever situation you're in. We do something accepting is key in our lives. Accepting what we are is key in following God. I know by fact that whenever I do not accept my fate, where I am, God does not move me. I'm fighting against what, he, what his will is for me. I'm fighting it. We have to. 
we have to be humble and we have to accept whatever life gives us. Continue to grow more in Christ. I just said that. Don't be afraid that God has never given you a spirit of timidity. 2 Timothy 1.7 says that. We're not supposed to be timid. If you're working with the Lord, and I, and I get the part that you may be afraid to, to you're new and you may be afraid to share the gospel. But you know why? When I first, when I was born again, all I, could, all I knew was my testimony. So I used my testimony. What else? What bigger than using your own testimony where you've been and where you're now? Until the Lord teaches you more. So there, there, there's no way. It's not like we have to stop. So what, what is God saying here? Hey! Hey, 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 hey! Hey! Get up. I'm here. Stop your isolation. Stop being in isolation, this little island. Because the only one that can get you out of this little island is me. You can swim out of it with me in front. But not without me. If you want to follow me, you stop the isolation deal. In other words, what James is really saying here, to be honest with you, is if, and you heard this before, in many places, for many different things, if we are going to talk the talk, then we need to walk the walk. That's just the bottom line. There's no in-between. Pastor, last week we talked about that. There's no in-between. There's two extremes. To begin with, there's heaven and there's hell, right? We know that. And everything else is the same thing. There's no in-between. God doesn't compromise. You cannot, comp- you cannot negotiate a deal with God. That's an impossibility. So we have to understand that. So we have to refocus. We have to reconnect. We have to revive. But we, we need to mean that. We need to go to the Lord. And start praying and start looking at our lives. So what is James saying here? I'm concluding now with this thought. And as I'm writing this, this uh, God gave me this thought. And I could have actually memorized it, but it's basically the same thing. But I'm going to read it because I want to tell you what God put in my head. And it's got to do with what I've been saying. And I, and I, said, and I asked myself, so what is James saying in these verses? And God said, well, this is what, I'm, what he's saying. Because what James is saying is what God is saying. We tend to forget that sometimes. If our lifestyle is one in which we cannot overcome sin, one in which cannot surrender sacrificially and unconditionally to the Lord, one in which we're not obeying the Great Commission commandment, one in which pride is overcoming us, and one in which we're not connecting with the Word of God, how can we say that we're followers of Jesus Christ? That's a big one, isn't it? How can we say? And, and I go through that. This is a struggle. It's a fight, especially in this environment that we're living in today. Again, I don't know here who's, who is and who's not following. This is a message that James brings in the book of James. And, 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 and I get it. But we don't have to stay in isolation. We don't have to stay in a sinful way. Because God has given us the door for that. 
He's given us Jesus, right? We don't have to say, oh, I don't want to surrender. And the thing is, are you living within the story of Jesus Christ? There's Jesus next to me. Hi, Jesus. How are you doing? He's next to me. Right there. He's next to you, too. Isn't that amazing? He's just next to me. He loves me. He wants the best for me, but he doesn't want us to just become stagnant and stale in, in our environment. He doesn't want us to come and do the churchy thing. You go and sit in the church. You find your cleat. You give money to the church, and then that's it. That's not what he wants. James is saying that in these verses. Take some time to meditate on these verses. On all of them. On the entire Bible, by the way. And that's what he's really saying. And at the end of it, this is a matter of life and death. It really is. It really is. I know that there's, pe- there's family members dying right now. In my family. There's family members dying. I know that we have friends that are dying. By the way, you may have family members and friends that are dying too. And you know what I mean. Spiritually dying. That's just the truth. There's people that we don't even know that are dying. By the way, we should not ever focus just on our family member. We should always focus on everyone. Because our family member will probably be the last one to listen to us. And most of the time, unless we die, they don't believe. For some reason, when people die, three or four come to the Lord. I saved you, Jesus, now. Woo! Pastor will tell you that's the best time to, to preach. Is there a funeral? Oh, my. Something happens to the heart, right? Now, I end with this. Do you want to be like Jesus? Do you want to have Jesus' eyes so you can see better? Do you want to be able to speak with his words? Do you want his feet so you can walk? Wouldn't that be cool? To have his eyes, his words, his feet, his voice, his breath, his time. His dreams that should be our dreams. His desires that should be our desires. His thoughts. Who's doing what? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we just want to thank you for this wonderful day. Thank you, Lord, that you were here today, that you're all the time. Thank you for the hearts of our brothers and sisters here, Lord. I know that there are Christians here doing. And they love you, Lord. They're here. Just help us overcome any negative nature that we're involved in. That you just take care of us, Lord. That you show us a way. Help us just be accountable to each other. Help those that are, that many help, that many someone to talk to, that they're they're not afraid anymore and they can go talk to someone else from the church, the pastors, anyone else, Lord. I love you. We love you. Jesus, thank you for going to the cross for us. Help us, Jesus. Be just like you. In his name I pray. Amen.